sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome to our number two, the morning after live on this Thursday on SportsGrid and Sirius XM Channel 159, the home for SportsGrid Radio on Sirius XM and all across the SportsGrid network as well. I am Ben Stevens. Our number one was crazy with all the odds movement we have seen for the 2022 NBA draft that begins in just about 10 hours from now. And over the next 10 hours, I can almost guarantee you there is going to be more odds movement for the number one overall pick held by the Orlando Magic, maybe at two for OKC, possibly at three for the Houston Rockets, and then what everybody says, the draft beginning at number four overall. We'll get into that later on in our number two with some of the best in the business from a perspective of every angle you need to know for tonight's 2022 NBA draft. We'll go live to my former city, Omaha, Nebraska, coming up in just a couple of moments for an update on the College World Series as well, what the atmosphere has been like at the men's CWS in the Big O. But we begin with a Stanley Cup final. It's tough, man. I wish we could focus on the Stanley Cup final, but we've got so much going on and so much helter-skelter market movement on this Thursday morning. So we lead off our number two with game number four last night in Tampa Bay. The Avalanche, a 2-1 series lead, entering game four, and the Lightning had some momentum after taking game number three by a final of 6-2. to two. But last night, we saw an overtime thriller. Nazem Kadri, his first game after returning from a thumb injury earlier in the Stanley Cup postseason, scores the game winner in overtime to push the Avs over the Bolts 3-2 in OT, taking a 3-1 series lead. But if you were watching the game last night or you're catching up on it on this Thursday morning, the ending of an overtime thriller in game number four of the Stanley Cup final should probably be met with excitement. But if you watched last night for about eight to 10 seconds after the puck found the back of the net because it was up in the webbing getting past Andre Vasilevsky's blocker side, the refs nor the broadcasters, nor really anybody at Amelie Arena knew the game had come to an end. So the excitement was a little bit dissipated. But then on top of that, we had some controversy because as replays showed, and as John Cooper, the head coach of the Lightning, described in his press conference last night, as Nazem Kadri gets onto the ice for a line shift before scoring that game-winning goal, it takes Nathan McKinnon about five seconds to get back to the Colorado bench, which would have been too many men on the ice, a penalty for Colorado, and would have kept this game rolling in overtime. Was not called, is a non-reviewable call from the officials, and thus the Avalanche win 3-2 to two in overtime, taking a substantial 3-1 series lead against Tampa Bay. The Lightning, of course, the two-time reigning Stanley Cup champion. So what does this mean? Well, we had Nathan McKinnon finding the back of the net, the first goal for Colorado last night. He was plus 164, the best odds to be a goal scorer in game number four. None of the other guys that you see there found the back of the net, but Nazem Kadri was plus 240 before the game got underway to be a goal scorer in game number four. Entering last night, Tampa and Colorado, even, minus 110 
on the money line as we anticipated, but some late movement in those prices. The Bolts closed as a minus 111 money line favorite. The total remained at six, and for the first time this series, it stays under even in overtime. So here's where the stage is set now, heading back to Denver for game number five with the Avalanche on the brink of hoisting Lord Stanley's Cup in, uh, in Tampa Bay on the verge of being sent home. Their hunt for a third straight trophy falling just a bit short. First, we welcome in our Sports Grid Radio audience here, the second hour of the morning after, live on the grid. Sirius XM Channel 159. All of our terrestrial radio affiliates now in the mix as well. I am Ben Stevens. Colorado wins last night on the road in Tampa. They win 3-2 in overtime, taking a 3-1 series lead. And now because of that, the Avalanche, a substantial favorite to win the Stanley Cup, in game number five minus 1250 is that series outright price right now for Colorado as we look at the number following game number four entering game four Colorado still a pretty big favorite minus 300 the bolts were plus 240 as the series underdog now that number at plus 900 and again as we detailed for you yesterday there was an expectation based on the odds that still Colorado could win this series in five games. It was the most likely outcome in the series correct score market, even with it being pretty even on that money line entering game number four last night. But now the Avalanche to win in five, well, that's the money line for the fifth game of this Stanley Cup final on Friday night back in Denver. And Colorado heavily favored to win Lord Stanley's Cup at minus 170. That money line price is pretty much where it stands for game number five and you can see here if you think we get to a sixth game if you think the lightning can go on the road and stave off elimination stop their season from ending i would grab both of those numbers at plus 320 for six the same exact price for seven games but as the FanDuel sportsbook sees it i'm not sure we're going to get a sixth game again colorado now minus 170 as the heavy home ice favorite for game number five the total remains the same at six it has been that way since game number two the under having a little bit of the juice right now it was only last night in overtime even that the first under of this series hit we'll get you ready for game number five tomorrow night in denver tomorrow on the morning after but now we head to the big o Omaha, Nebraska for a College World Series breakdown. Stay with us. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You know that one of my favorite things in this universe is the Men's College World Series in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome back to the morning after, live right now on a Thursday on SportsGrid, where we'll break down what happens at the CWS. Thank you for joining us here. I am Ben Stevens, and we're very pleased to welcome on Natalie Bodie from BR Betting, who was in Omaha covering the opening weekend of the College World Series. Got a taste of the atmosphere and all the very exciting baseball that we have seen so far. Natalie, everybody in the chase for a College World Series championship. Thank you so much for joining us here on this Thursday. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here. And Ben, you know better than anybody that atmosphere in Omaha 
it it is is like no other. It was amazing, and I was really happy to be there opening weekend. We'll get to some of the atmosphere in just a little bit here in this segment because if you've been on Twitter and you've heard of a place called Rocco's Pizza and the Jello Shot Challenge, that might actually be the real title at stake in Omaha, Nebraska. <laughs> but we start, Natalie, yesterday with two huge games. Two teams looking to punch a ticket to the final series. Two teams looking to continue their season and stave off elimination. We'll go to the nightcap where it just means more. An all-SEC affair between Ole Miss and in Arkansas. Entering last night, Natalie, as you well know, the Running Rebels, a perfect postseason in the NCAA baseball tournament. But all good things must come to an end. Arkansas keeps its season alive, forces a winner-take-all game against Ole Miss today for a spot in the College World Series Finals. So the Razorbacks hold on, Natalie. What stood out to you about Arkansas's performance yesterday? So the story I was following in that game, actually, is Zach Morris, if you remember him in the game earlier, he faced seven batters. He did not even make it out of the first inning. He gave up two runs, but he texted his coach after and he said, look, I want the ball back next game. He came in in a moment when there was no margin for error, a major jam, and he closed it out. And he even said it was the calmest that he had been on the mound. So, I mean, that performance by him was standout. But that's without me even mentioning Brady Slavin's home run, the longest in park history. I just love Arkansas's momentum right now, and they've just got some guys. You know the Woo Pig Suey chants were lighting up the streets of Omaha, Nebraska last night. And it's a big ballpark there at now Charles Schwab Field, I believe it's called. It used to be TD Ameritrade Ballpark. It is a big, big park. So to go straight away to center and hit the longest in the history of that stadium, that gets to speak about the power that Brady Slavens presents at the dish. So Arkansas and Ole Miss will play a winner-take-all game that we'll preview in just a couple of moments. But the first game of the day, Oklahoma and Texas A&M. Another rematch where the Sooners were looking to punch their ticket to the final series. They won the first game, their opener in Omaha, against the Aggies 13-8. A little bit lower scoring yesterday, but the Sooners, Natalie, on to the CWS finals with a 5-1 victory over Texas A&M. You saw that first game when you were there the opening weekend of the CWS. How impressive has Oklahoma been during their time in, o in Omaha? Oklahoma has been extremely impressive and in my opinion just being in that dugout seeing the chemistry and let's remember it's a young team so I mentioned chemistry but they started four and five freshmen and sophomores on Sunday so that was so impressive to me and for them to beat A&M five to one a, a team that's gritty they take pictures deep on the plate I like Oklahoma really to win it all and and I just I cannot believe what they have going in that dugout with such a young team. AM has scored at least five runs in all three of its previous games in Omaha to hold them to only one. A huge testament to that Sooner staff yesterday on the bump. And now Oklahoma is a minus money, minus 105 favorite to win the College World Series as the first team advancing to the College World Series final. But that second spot up for grabs today. A rematch for the third time so far in the Big O between Arkansas and Ole Miss. Natalie, what do you expect for today's tilt between these two SEC opponents? So this one is going to be a great matchup because both teams are throwing their aces. Ole Miss giving the ball to junior right-hander DeLucia. Arkansas has a senior right-hander Connor Nolan. 
But the thing, what I think the difference could be here is that if Nolan can work long, the Razorbacks have a huge advantage. But on the flip side, Arkansas might have exhausted its left-handers, and if the Rebels can get to Arkansas's bullpen, that's where we'll see Ole Miss maybe be in business. Overall, though, I like Arkansas to win this one. But, you know, the first game had some lopsided scoring, and both teams will have their best on the mound. So I'm really excited for it. Natalie, I think that's a great point. Despite the win for Arkansas yesterday, 3-2 to two over Ole Miss, they threw more pitchers, four in total, with Zach Morris getting that save that Natalie detailed earlier on. Ole Miss, only three pitchers, so maybe a little bit more freshness in that bullpen. We'll see. Arkansas, minus 122 as your Moneyline favorite for today's winner-take-all game. The over-under yesterday was 12 and a half it's down to a more respectable nine and a half today I guess that goes to show it's an elimination game at the college world series so Natalie you said you like Oklahoma right now to win the entire thing they're at minus 105 what do you think the key is for OU if they are going to be our college world series champs you know, we came into this thing, Ben, it was pretty wide open, right? Tennessee's not in the mix anymore. They would have been a clear favorite. And I think that once you get to Omaha, the team that is the most comfortable, that's who ends up taking it. And that's not an original quote. I'll pull this Burnham, Texas product. He's a coach at Oklahoma now, Clay Van Hook. He quoted legend Augie Garrido. And he, Augie said, mm -hmm. the team that gets the most comfortable when they get here, they play good. And usually they win the whole thing. And that, to me, is just not necessarily a profound statement, but it's very true. All these teams are good. Many have had a ton of losses. If Oklahoma wins, they've lost 22 games in all. That would be the second most lost games in a total season for a champion. But the team that gets comfortable and finds the rhythm at the right time, that's the one that takes it all. And to me, seeing that Oklahoma dugout, being so impressed by their offense and their defense, I would take them, if you took them early, even better, but I could see them winning the whole thing. You know, that's got to sting a little bit. An Oklahoma coach quoting the great Augie Garrido of Texas, UT making Texas. the most appearances in the history of the College World Series, 38 in total after being the betting favorite, making it to Omaha this year, yet the Longhorns were the first team bumped from the College World Series. Yeah. That stings more than even a horns down. So Natalie was there live in the action for the opening weekend in Omaha for the College World Series. Now, we're going to have some fun here. Again, I mentioned Rocco's Pizza in downtown Omaha, right outside where all the festivities are happening at the CWS. There is a leaderboard in the Jello Shot Challenge where the two best teams Right now, as of yesterday, Arkansas and Ole Miss, they'll be back again today. Arkansas, Natalie, greater than $35,000 spent on jello shots, at least from Woo Pig Suey Nation. So how do you try to describe the atmosphere of what you experienced in Omaha for the College World Series? I'm just going to put this out there, and the other conferences can be mad. We know I'm an ACC girl. The SEC brings it. I mean, they've got the advantage yep. here, right, with the tailgates during football season. They know what's going on. The atmosphere was insane. I will just throw this out there, though. We see these numbers. Arkansas, 3,000-plus. Ole Miss, 2,000-plus. Stanford earlier in the week was at sub-100. Oh. Stanford, where are we at? We needed you to show up. That, to me, mm. was a hilarious disparity, but I'm here for it. I think it's hilarious. And the great thing about what Rocco's is doing, because they're taking in so much money for every Jello shot, they're also giving back to food pantries in both Fayetteville for Arkansas and also in Oxford, Mississippi. 
for the running revs. So it's a great environment at the College World Series. That is what we know. Stanford had the second best odds entering the CWS. They were also the second team eliminated from the tournament. Natalie Bodie breaking it all down for us. Spent the opening weekend in the Big O and setting the stage for the rest of the way at the men's CWS. Natalie, thank you so much for your time. We greatly appreciate it here on this Thursday on the morning after. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So the market is moving like crazy for the 2022 NBA draft. Some of the best prospects from college basketball. One of our best voices in college basketball, Kevin Sweeney. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. The next two segments on this edition of the morning after live on a Thursday on Sports Grid, all about the 2022 NBA draft tonight. We have seen crazy movements in the market, but we'll get to know the prospects a little bit better here as well. Thank you for joining us on this Thursday. I am Ben Stevens, who I am very pleased to welcome on Kevin Sweeney, our old friend throughout college basketball season, a great college hoops reporter for Sports Illustrated, also working with the field of 68. He will be in action tonight covering everything for the 2022 NBA draft, giving us that college basketball perspective from some of these best prospects, hoping to take that leap now to the NBA. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us here on this Thursday. Great to be here as always, Ben. All right, so let's get into the big three, Kev, because we know that the top three prospects in this draft, Jabari Smith out of Auburn, Chet Holmgren out of Gonzaga, and Paolo Bancaro out of Duke, have a clear delineation from where they stand to the rest of the draft class this year in the NBA. I'm going to ask you a two-part question. First part, who do you think goes number one overall tonight? I think Jabari Smith. I've never really wavered. I know there's been like a lot of like craziness in like the Vegas lines and everything, but... Like, I mean, I, I was up at like two in the morning last night and like placed another bet on Jabari to go number one. Like, I, I just I just kind of felt that this was all like it's been Jabari from the start. It's been Jabari for me since like December. Uh, and I've yep. felt really confident in that. And Orlando has, uh, I, I think, been Jabari since they got the pick. And I, I just don't I, I, I think the movement was a little overrated. I've been on Jabari from the start. I hope everybody was like Kevin Sweeney late last night when Paolo Bancaro flipped to the odds-on favorite at minus 210, and Jabari Smith was plus 115 on the FanDuel Sportsbook. You could have got a great plus-money price on a guy that is now minus 6,000 to go number one overall. That is Jabari Smith. So that was the first question. Who should go number one overall to Orlando? But do you believe, Kevin, as we ask the second part of this two-part question, that Jabari Smith is the best prospect overall? I do. Yeah. I mean, it's hard, right? I think all three guys have like a case to be made for them, but at the end of the day, like I'll take the six ten kid who's the best shooter in the draft. Who's one of the best shooters we've had in the last 10 years coming out of college, uh, mm. who has a really like projectable frame at two twenty. who could, I think we'll get to two forty, two fifty. uh, you know, people can talk about the dribbling and you're not being able to get to the rim, whatever, like, Hey, I don't think he's going to need to be like, like, I don't think you need to view Jabari in the lens of like a Kevin Durant. Like, I don't think he's going to be that type of score. I think he's going to score by getting to his spots. He's going to score by being able to shoot over people. 
And I think he's going to be a really good kind of culture setter for, for your organization because he's a really hard worker. Like the, the reviews out of Auburn have been fantastic. He's a year younger than these guys. Like, like if Jabari Smith had to go back to school and, and went back and, and played another year and was the age that Jaden Ivey is right now or the age that Chet Holmgren is right now, Jabari Smith would have a Zion Williamson-like season in college next year. Like he would be yeah. dominant. So, so I, I just think that that year of development is a big deal. I think he was great at Auburn, and to me, he's the best prospect in this draft. Now minus 5,000, but still a substantial odds-on favorite to go number one overall. Nearly averaged 17 points per game in his freshman campaign on the plane, shooting 42% from three. You mentioned his frame and where that stands right now. As we look at the second best prospect, potentially, in Chet Holmgren, is it his frame, Kevin, that you believe is keeping him from being that number one overall selection? I don't think it's just the frame. I think that's obviously like a real factor, and, and I think it's something that scares off NBA front offices, particularly because of the injury risk once he does put on weight. We don't really know what happens once Chet does put on weight. Like, first off, we don't know how well he's going to be able to put on weight. He has a very thin frame. But even if he does put on 30, 40 pounds, does that harm his mobility? Does that make him more injury prone? Like, we don't really know those those answers yet, and I think that's something that would hold me back. To me, at the end of the day, like, I, I just think that Chet's skill set is a little bit overrated. Like, I think he's a good, really good prospect, I, but I think he's a center. Like, I, I don't buy that he's going to be, like, a playmaker in the NBA I think he's going to get most of his offense from catch and shoot threes and, you know, dunks and, you know, lobs at the rim and most of his defense from blocking shots as a rim protector. And to me, again, that's a valuable player, but he has to be so elite defensively for me to get to the point where I'm thinking he's an all-star. And I'm just not quite there that he will be when he's matched consistently with guys who are as physical uh, and who are as skilled as NBA centers. I think that's a very fair perspective for a guy in Chet Holmgren that a lot of draft scouts have said is positionless and is perfect for this current format of the NBA. It might get there, but it's going to take some time. So again, Jabari Smith, minus 5,000 to go one of one to Orlando. Chet Holmgren is now minus 3,500 to go number two overall to Oklahoma City and Paolo Bancaro, greater than 2,000 as well to go number three overall to Houston. So maybe, Kevin, the draft starts at number four where the Sacramento Kings currently hold that pick. Yesterday, the distinction between Jaden Ivey out of Purdue and another big test stud in Keegan Murray out of Iowa was a little bit closer. Now Jaden Ivey, a heavier odds-on favorite. But who do you like more in the NBA? Is it Jaden Ivey or is it Keegan Murray? It's so hard because I think it it totally depends on what you're drafting for, right? Like if, you're, if your organizational timeline is to win in the next two years, I think Keegan Murray's ready-made to contribute because he can play multiple positions. He makes shots. He's a little bit older. Like he, he's a little bit more polished. Like I, I would take Keegan if I'm trying to win now. But if I'm in a spot where I need to roll the dice, like I, I need a, a potential franchise-changing talent, J- Jaden's the guy that I have to roll the dice with because of the upside and that, you know, athletic combo guard, you know, mold that he has. I mean, at times at Purdue, you watched him and said, that's a guy that could be an NBA all-star. That's a guy who could be like a John Wall or be like a John Morant. Obviously, I don't think he has the playmaking skills that Ja d- does in particular. I'm not expecting him to be that. In fact, I have some you know pretty big questions about Jaden Ivey because at times I was really frustrated with how he played at Purdue. But at the end of the day, like if, if, if I'm sitting there and I need a – I need to swing for the fences. I don't think there's a better swing for the fences outside of the top three in this draft than, than Jaden Ivey. 
Kevin Sweeney, a college basketball reporter for Sports Illustrated and the Field of 68, joining us here from that draft prospect perspective. The guys taking the leap from college to the NBA draft tonight for 2022. So, Kevin, as we look at the middle of the NBA draft lottery, around six, seven, eight, a couple of players have some very similar draft position props up on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Benedict Matherin out of Arizona. Dyson Daniels, the Australian who played with G League Ignite this past year. And Shaden Sharp was at Kentucky, but never actually played in a game for the Wildcats. Out of this group of three with very similar numbers, Kevin, who do you think translates as the best prospect at the next level? I really like Dyson Daniels. You know, I haven't seen quite as much as, of him as I've seen of Matherin. Obviously, Matherin playing in college basketball on a really big stage at Arizona. But I, I just think that, you know, the skill set that Dyson brings to the table is so valuable in, in the modern NBA with the way he can fit into, you know, multiple positions and defend at a high level. I think, you know, there's going to be comparisons to Josh Giddy just because they're both Australian and both kind of had similar rises throughout the process. But I do think that yeah. there is, you know, some Josh Giddy in there because of his ability to uh, defend really one through four. He's physical at the point of attack, but he's also a really special playmaker. He's a great kid. He's great to talk to at the combine. I, I think that, you know, in that like six to 10 range, I think the guy who will have the best career is Dyson Daniels. So as we look at some more odds and some more props for the 2022 NBA draft, certainly in that first round, we've talked about the market movement for the picks at one, two, and three, but even to go inside that top 10, you'll see a number here on the big 10 player of the year out of Wisconsin and Johnny Davis at plus 135 this morning though, Kev, to go in that top 10, it's minus 165. Out of the group that we see here, the rest of this position in the top 10 picks, who do you think will emerge out of this group to make sure they are selected in that top 10 tonight? Yeah, it's tricky. I, I, I would lean towards Sohan just because I think he fits into the most different you know, systems, right? I think that's one of the things you worry about when you're, when you're drafting in you know eight to ten range is what happens if your guy comes off the board who are you going to draft i think sohan's an easy answer because he's all upside but he can play three through five he's gonna be a versatile defender like i think he's gonna be a really impactful player i think sohan but i also think johnny davis would be another i think i think it's a good bet at this point to, to wind up at 10 you know if nothing else i think he winds up with the wizards at 10 because i think at the end of the day teams will value what johnny brings which is high-level intangibles. I mean, he's a really, really competitive kid. Uh, he's a terrific competitor. He's a good defender. And I think when he's in a con offensive concept that doesn't involve him being surrounded by guys who can't really shoot, you know, in, in an offense that isn't necessarily the most modern, like he played in at Wisconsin, I think he will be able to open up some of the scoring and be more efficient than he was at, at Wisconsin. Kevin, with your immense basketball knowledge from the college hoops perspective, who is a sleeper you are keeping your eye on that might go earlier than expected in the first round tonight? I really like Malachi Branham. You know, this, this was a guy who at Ohio State was just so productive down the stretch. And I think if you if you just look from the new year on, he averaged something like 17-4-2 and two and did it on, you know, 50-40-80. And, and you're just not going to find guys with that offensive skill set. Uh, in, in most drafts, I think, especially in the mid, mid middle of this first round, that's an opportunity to get a guy who could be a, a really good second unit scorer in the NBA.
and maybe take a flyer on Malachi Branham at plus 900 to go in that top 10 on the FanDuel Sportsbook as well. Kevin Sweeney, a college basketball reporter for Sports Illustrated, doing some work for the field of 68 as well. One of the best and brightest minds, in my opinion, covering college hoops, taking that knowledge and how it will all play out for the 2022 NBA draft tonight. Kevin, thank you so much. And I appreciate you following the markets as well to make sense of all the craziness we have seen so far on this Thursday morning. Been a fun morning. Thanks, Ben. I hope you were like Kevin and took Jabari Smith at plus 115 yesterday or even in these early morning hours to go number one overall because, again, he's minus 5,000. We'll go back to that movement with our coach, Coach James Young, up next here in the morning app. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Right back here on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. The NBA draft is just about 10 hours away. Who will go number one overall? Well, according to the odds, we already know. But after a crazy morning of tons of market movement. I am Ben Stevens, now very pleased to welcome on our coach, James Young, back on the show for a second straight day because when we see all of this crazy market movement, JY, we need your expertise. We need your breakdowns of these prospects to get us set for the NBA draft this evening. Man, this has been, I don't know if I've ever seen something like this. Uh, the way that, you know, Paulo went from, you know, plus whatever, 14, 1500 down. And then last night, everybody goes to bed and it looks like it's, it's Jabari, but Paulo has moved ahead of Chet. And then all of a sudden you wake up and it's moved. And then Woj drops yep. like the bomb of all bombs, you know, at about 8, I think about 8.40, 8.45 this morning. Yep. And within two minutes, it, it was locked. So I expect this is just the beginning of a crazy day, my friend. When you try to follow the timeline of how the NBA draft odds have moved, it is a very difficult task to do. Just two weeks ago, Jabari Smith was minus 600 to go number one overall. Paolo Bancaro had the third best price at 26 to 1. Within a 10 day span, Paolo Bancaro was plus 220, the second best price behind Jabari Smith, who was minus 150, minus 175. But then, even yesterday afternoon, JY, Jabari was back to minus 270. It felt like at that time, all right, he's going to go number one overall to the Orlando Magic. And then, while we're all sleeping, maybe if you weren't on the West Coast, you could have grabbed Jabari Smith at plus. 115 and Paolo Bancaro became that odds on minus money favorite at minus 210 and then JY was live with our guys on the early line when Woes drops that bomb making it seem like the draft order is set and now the odds indicate it might be because Jabari Smith was minus 10,000 when they popped back up on the FanDuel Sportsbook to go first overall he's still minus 5,000 JY of course a very 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 strong number it's like an sec team playing a team from the mac week two of the college football season on the money line it seems like a done deal but do you believe it is do you think jabari smith is that absolute lock to go first overall to orlando i think so and, and here's the thing 
folks. There's no one more piped than than Woj. Now, I'm, to be honest with you, I'm stunned that ESPN didn't pump the brakes and not let them post it because you may have affected the ratings for tonight's draft. But you must admit, when Woj talks, people listen. That's why they took it down. That's why the lines have moved. And I think I still disagree with that take of Jabari being the number one pick because I think he doesn't match up well with Wagner. But I'm not making the decisions over in Orlando. They are. So they're going to have to live with it. But to me, the way the, the lines have moved, it's a sure, it's a luck, one, two, and three. So, J.Y., if you were on that co- coaching staff in Orlando, if you were in that front office, who would you have at number one overall? Who would you take tonight with that first overall pick? I, I, would, like, I would like Chet, but, but if you are nervous about Chet being a five, I honestly would have gone Ben Carroll over Jabari Smith. I just think he lines up better with Wagner as a back-to-the-basket, rugged four who has a step-out game, whereas Jabari is someone that is um, more of a a better shooter. But here's the problem with Jabari, and this is going to be a knock. We'll talk about this tonight, Ben. Jabari has games where he doesn't show up. Jabari doesn't rebound the ball particularly well. He's not a great defender, and he plays for Bruce Pearl, who loves to play defense. So there are still question marks about Jabari. You're mainly getting him for his upside and his length and his ability to shoot the ball. As James Young mentioned, a wild night ahead, I am sure, on our 2022 NBA Draft Special, live right here on SportsGrid, starting at 8 p.m. Eastern time. It's us two and Kevin Walsh holding down the fort, keeping you updated with all the odds movements we will see throughout this afternoon as well. So there is that big three, JY, right? That distinction between Jabari Chet and Paolo from the rest of this NBA draft class. You think that Paolo could go number one overall. Chet could be that best fit, but if you're worried about his frame at the next level, maybe you have some cause for hesitation. I want you to peer into your crystal ball right now, and I'm going to ask a very difficult question. By the time all is said and done, out of that big three, who has the most successful NBA career? I'm gonna bet on Chet. I'm gonna bet on Chet putting on the weight. I just think his skill set is tremendous. You're talking about a, a potential 60, 40, 85 guy, which is something that I've n- I haven't seen in the NBA at the power forward slash center position. Now, if you ask me one more, one through four, I think Jaden Ivey is going to be the best out of all of them. You just can't mistake Ooh. his athletic ability, his talent. And you know, watching the Big Ten, he played an offense that was not conducive to NBA basketball. He's going to get that in the league. Here's what I will say about Jaden Ivey, because J.Y. is right. People across the country certainly know me as Big Ten Ben. Getting to the basket, going downhill at the veracity that Jaden Ivey can do it, there's not many people like that in this NBA draft class, maybe playing the sport of basketball. And there has been those comparisons to Spida, Donovan Mitchell, and maybe even John Morant. But the knock against Jaden Ivey is when he gets in those positions, if the defenses collapse, then he needs to find his playmaking ability to get it out. And at times, during his run in West Lafayette for the Boilermakers, he would turn the basketball over and have negative plays. If he can clean that up, 
the upside for young Jaden Ivey is tremendously high. And when we think about two of the Big Ten's best, Coach, we have Jaden Ivey, who's now minus 210 to go number four overall, greater than it was yesterday at around minus 135. But Keegan Murray out of Iowa is in that mix as well. The second best price to go number four overall and your favorite right now to go fifth, the Detroit Pistons have that pick at number five at the moment. How do you compare these two players hailing out of the great, if I may say, the Big Ten Conference? And it is the great Big Ten Conference, Big Ten, Ben. Uh, when you look at these two guys, a little bit different. You know, Keegan Murray is a prototypical stretch four in the league, became a way better three-point shooter over his time in West Lafayette. And you look at the fact that Detroit really, to me, sold Jeremy Grant low for a 2025 draft pick. There was rumors of them maybe yep. trying to get the three to try and get Jay Nivey and jump Sacramento. And what thing's going to actually take him? I still think it's the Knicks. Call it my Knicks bias. I just think they find a way mm. to do it. But Keegan Murray slides it perfectly into that lineup. Sadiq Bay at the three, Cade at the one, Stewart at the five. Although I still think DeAndre Ayton is in play and there's already talk about Phoenix maybe moving when it's signing trade. And Detroit is going to be probably the top destination. These are where the markets stand right now, right? And we know where the draft order is right now, right? But I don't know if it's going to look the exact same by the time we get to 8 p.m. Eastern time tonight because there could be not only movement in the odds, but the teams selecting in their certain positions. There could be some trades early on in the first round of this 2022 NBA draft. I hope the Detroit Pistons become the Detroit Iowa Hawkeyes and that Keegan Murray can join his former teammate in Luka Garza there in the Motor City as well. Let's go to number two once again because not only is Chet slotted in that number right now at minus 3,200 to go second overall to OKC, I want to ask about the fit here, Coach. Where do you think Chet Holmgren finds his spot within that Thunder roster at the moment? Well, he's going to be a little bit of a development guy, so it may take him a little bit of time. But I like him as a four, Ben, at, um, with Oklahoma City. I think the way he plays his style, his skill set is a pick-and-pop four, uh, kind of a, a, a better shooting version of Porzingis, I would say. Got to put on some weight. I would love to see that pick-and-pop with SGA and, you know, and 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 Chet or, you know, Josh yeah. Giddy and Chet. That, that, that's a young foundation. And with the trove of draft picks, there's got to be a time where, you know, they put their chips to the table and start moving some of these future ones to accumulate other players. I think they maybe wait a year. This is the year that they try to get these three on the same page. And then next year would be the, the year that Oklahoma City tries to make their run. That sounds like a pretty solid young core to me, that if Chet does go number two overall to OKC to be, a line, uh, to be alongside SGA and Josh Giddy, that could be a very, very promising future for the Thunder. It's not just these draft positions and who is going to go number one or number two in those draft boards, but also props to go with in the top 10 as well. JY and as we look at some potential top 10 talent in some of the prices that we will see tonight out of a group of guys like Johnny Davis and Jalen Duran and Ochai Abaji and maybe AJ Griffin who do you think emerges as a surefire top 10 pick this evening well once you take Benny Matherin out of it and Dyson Daniels out of it 
you know, that's where it starts to get tricky because then it starts to go a little bit more into fit. Uh, Uzma Dang is, is an intriguing guy. He was at plus money yesterday. I actually have him going ninth to San Antonio. He's down to minus 190 to go in the first one. I like him at the ninth spot with San Antonio. They've had a lot of success with international players. And if they are moving DeJounte Murray, which is rumored he's on the block now, that means they may pump their brakes and take the time here, which means you take a little bit of a chance. Other guy I like is I've been a big A.J. Griffin fan. I know his odds are going the wrong way to plus 210 to go in the top 10. I just think he is a 3-and-D plug-and-play guy right away. Portland, where now they got Grant at the 4 and they got Nurkic at the 5. If they don't trade that 7 pick, which is rumors are maybe trading it for OG Ananobi of Port of uh, Toronto. That would be a spot where I could see Griffin going. Also at eight, he would be a, a play place where he could play um, with those guys at the New Orleans Pelicans. So I do like AJ Griffin a lot. The bigs, Mark Williams and Jalen Duran, I'm not as high on. I think they go yep. New York or later, most likely starting with Charlotte. Especially if Usman Jang goes at number nine to San Antonio, the first real spot on the board for a big man that could have ramifications for both Jalen Duran out of Memphis and Mark Williams out of Duke. I'm glad you bring up Benedict Matherin out of Arizona. His draft prop tonight, six and a half for that draft position. Heavy juice on the under now at even greater than this price at now minus 420. Out of this group of three, JY, that have very similar draft position props, who is your favorite prospect? I love Shaden Sharp. I, I just think there's, the upside is tremendous. Three-point shooter, 49-inch vertical leap, high flyer, needs to clean up his handle a little bit, but he's got the most upside out of all those guys. I do think there is a chance that Indiana could say, you know what, we're going to take our time, we're going to trade Brogdon, we may trade Miles Turner, let's take Shaden Sharp at the two spot and play him alongside of you know, Halliburton and Chris Duarte. Now, if they're going to move Duarte, then I think Benny Matherin comes into play. But I don't know why you would give up on Duarte. He had some pretty nice games, and he already is a plug-in 3-and-D guy for the Pacers. Shannon Sharp, minus 3,500 to be selected in that top 10. He was at Kentucky last year in Lexington, but did not play for Coach Cal and the Wildcats. We'll see what that means for where he goes in the NBA draft tonight, and we will be there for all of it. James Young, myself, and old K-Dubs, Kevin Walsh. The NBA draft special on Sports Grid starting at 8 p.m. Eastern. JY, thank you as always. We round out this edition of the Morning After Up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. These two hours today, live on this Thursday, on the morning after on Sports Grid, have absolutely flown by with all of the market movement, with all of the changes in the odds we have seen for the 2022 NBA draft. It was a quick and jam-packed Thursday here on the grid. Thank you for joining us on Sirius XM, Channel 159, the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. Thank you for watching all across the Sports Grid Network as well. And I am Ben Stevens. We end out today's show, of course, only in one spot. 
looking forward to the 2022 NBA draft. We have seen the most market movement I have ever seen, truly. I've never seen this much drastic swings in these prices and in the odds as we have on this Thursday morning for the 2022 NBA draft. In any draft, in any sport, in any individual award, there is market movement. And then there is what we have seen on this Thursday ahead of the NBA draft tonight. So I'm not really looking at who's going to go number one overall. Jabari Smith is now minus 5,000 to do so, currently held in that pick by the Orlando Magic. I'm going to look to a draft pop, a draft position, and we'll do that here before we say farewell and before we say goodbye. It's time for an NBA draft best bet. It is time for Bye Bye Bye. We'll keep this pretty short and sweet. Honestly, I love the number on Jeremy Sohan, a player out of Baylor that NBA draft scouts rave about. His draft position prop tonight is 11 and a half. To go under that number would mean he has to be selected 11th or better in this NBA draft. If it's 12th or later in that first round, well, that would be the over. But I love the plus money to the under on Jeremy Sohan because of what he can do. He can play multiple positions. He can defend the crap out of the basketball and his offensive game is only going to grow i think he goes under 11 and a half for his draft position prop tonight in the 2022 nba draft a reminder our sports grid nba draft special begins at 8 p.m eastern live with all of the movement we will see in the odds later tonight myself james y and kevin walsh thank you for joining us on the morning after we'll be back tomorrow on a friday at 9 a.m eastern